This is Seba, the Southern Fraud Witch, and this is episode 37 of season 2. And I have been pushed into my house because we finally got rain outside, and that's a good thing. It's been hot as balls out there, and I've had almost two heat strokes hit me pretty hard. So, it's also kind of sad because I wanted to work in the garden today, and I can't. And sometimes you just can't work, no matter how hard you try. So, instead, it's a time for reflection for me, and that's what I'm going to do. Well, that and a little bit of uh, harvesting, our extraordinarily old pear tree has decided to give us a few more bushels of absolute heaven, and I didn't feel like canon this year. I haven't felt like canon all year. I think I've about wore myself out, y'all. I have a wall of canned goods in the back room, and it's just gotten to be, well, a lot. And so I'm trying a few new methodologies to keep me sane during canon season. And one of them is dehydration. I found this wonderful dehydrator that has uh, 10 levels. Cost a pretty penny. It was a couple years back, and it has saved my ass over and over again. And just so y'all know, one of the easiest ways to do this, at least with pears that I know, is to go ahead and cut them in slices and just drizzle those slices with a little bit of lemon juice. That keeps them from going brown, honey. And then I just do a little sprinkle of sugar over the top of that. You don't really need that sugar. I just like it. (laughs) It kind of crystallizes in the dehydration process. So y'all should try dehydration. It's a lot of fun, and later on in the winter, it's so easy to either just eat them as they are or do a nice rehydration process, and with my pears in particular, I like to do that with apple cider. It's just delicious, y'all. So, oh, well, look, the sun's already coming out, but I'm already committed, so I'm going to keep going. Y'all, I'm going to be very careful not to give any spoilers here, but I finally finished uh, season four of Stranger Things, and first of all, big fan. It's like I told everybody, if y'all had let me know that this was basically Stephen King's Stand By Me with a little smattering of It and maybe The Goonies and a young Sigourney Weaver fighting an alien with an 80s soundtrack, I'd already been watching it. I just don't like sci-fi very much. I know. I just, I mean, sci-fi for its own sake, I do not dig it. Y'all don't hate me. But if there's a good story behind it, I'm kind of down. So what I loved about it, and I'll try to be very careful, but the way they are playing with the idea of memory and time and realms, it's absolutely, mm, well magical (laughs) and in my experience true to form so I wanted to speak about magical memory you know I've had a lot of trauma in my life I've had a lot of really rough things happen and so 
working to not give spoilers here, but um, in season four, we know for sure that memories can be either, well, they're all a powerful thing in this show. Definitely can be a rough thing and lead to danger, but also can be the way to save your ass. Can we just leave it there and I don't want to ruin the show for anyone? For me, it is very much the same. Don't ever let me pretend like I've got my shit all together. Okay, y'all? I'm an older woman. I've been practicing magic a very long time. I've done a lot of living. But I got years to go, hopefully. Knock on wood, right? So my shit is not all together (laughs) at all. One of my, I suppose, uh, weaknesses... Well, I don't like to call them that. You know, I've beat myself up enough in these 56 years of mine that I don't like calling them weaknesses anymore because it just plays into that self-harm that is all too prevalent in my um, ways of thinking. So, I'm fighting against looking at some of the things about me as weaknesses and trying to see them instead as, you know, quirks or my personality or results of trauma, but it doesn't mean that I'm weak. Anyway, dear Lord, I just went on a tangent. I have a problem uh, late at night. I have an issue late at night, and that is that I need to get very sleepy (laughs) um, before I cut off the television set. Hasn't always been this way, but you know, I've got PTSD. I've got a lot of grief and If I don't get extraordinarily sleepy before I turn off that TV set, I will lay there till about 3 a.m. And, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, all the demons come have a little party in my noggin. And there's a lot of them. You know, I, I have an oldest child who I lost along with my mother, and I don't want to speak about that too much on the air. But that is my deepest grief. And also, you know, just just a very interesting life, y'all, that I've led. And the craziest things will pop in my head at three o'clock in the morning. It has uh, tortured me for years and years. And recently, I've been doing something new to fight it. Now, it wasn't (laughs) stranger things that helped me do that, but it was so, well, I guess kismet when I started watching it, you know, because... Yeah, that's exactly how to fight your way out of something really very dark. Or at least it works as an emergency measure. Just really good memories. Something that made us feel safe or happy, even if it were only for a moment. And that 3 a.m. will still get me. Uh, Sometimes I think I've evaded all that and go to sleep just fine and will jerk myself awake and boom, you know, It's 1996 or 1974 or, oh God, the worst one in 1969. It will all pop up and I have to do something to get it out of my head. And when we're sleepy like that or when we're tired or when we've just had a really rough week, I think it's really easy for those um, dark shadows to take us away. And so I've got a playlist for that. If y'all been listening to any of my little playlists, and I know they're not for everybody, but I've been creating a playlist for every single podcast, and I put it over there on my Facebook author page. 
and also on my website. And I'm big on playlist. There are just songs that take me to a happier place or there are songs that just tell a story better than I can. And I need them in my life. But what I'm talking about that saves me at 3 a.m. are not, you know, songs. They're not music. It's a playlist of memories. When I first learned this very magical defensive measure, I just tried to hold them in my head. And um, that didn't always work because one would accidentally lead into something else. The torture got to be so rough at night, so exquisitely painful, that I realized in the daytime I was going to have to be a little bit more aggressive about my defense. And I know aggressive defense doesn't make a lot of sense until you, you know, well, are being attacked by bats (laughs) from another world. Sorry, Stranger Things reference. So I had to kind of create my own playlist of memories to fight the uh, demons of my past. And because I'm a little uh, weak when I've been woken up from sleep or when everyone else in the world is sound asleep and I'm alone in this pool of the past, I had to write them down. First time I did it was about a year ago, and I need to get better at it, but I want to go ahead and share it with you today because it occurs to me that I need to get back in the habit of it. It worked, and maybe it'll help you. If not, it'll be a fun story. So I sat down, and I tried to pick a good memory. You know, it doesn't have to be all bells and whistles. It could be something very tiny, and I'll explain from every time in my life, era, whatever, decade, where there was also an extraordinarily painful one. That way the jump could be easy for me to get to. This also helps with my nightmares. So it's sort of like I've got two cards in my hand and one of them is this horrifying, painful point in time and the other one is real close to it. You know what I'm saying? Right there in the filing cabinet of my brain in my memory. So I can jump. I can get to it a lot quicker because it's so adjacent to the (laughs) shitstorm. I came up with one for every possible scenario. But at the time, I was really focused, you know, that first little time out on the ones that had been bothering me, you know, in the last few nights. And I'll tell you what that looks like. For instance, while I have a whole lot of terrifying memories from childhood, it's pretty much a horror show. If not, Shyamalan needs to do something with it. You know, to keep this whole thing not too traumatic for anyone else to listen to, I would pop to a time that my mother threw me into a trailer bedroom. And I can't take naps. I never have been able to take naps. When I was a little girl, I couldn't take naps. I can't take naps today. I'm an anomaly. (laughs) It's not my fault. No matter how I lay there, it ain't going to happen. Again, I've got to be really tired to sleep. I don't know how old I was. I would think that I was under two years, maybe, or at least under three because I could jump on a bed. So somewhere in there is when this occurred to me. And she was big on forcing me. I guess she wanted me to shut up. 
but I was left in there and it was, you know, the late 60s. I was born in 66. And there was, of course, you know, no security for babies anywhere. How the hell we lived? I have no idea, y'all. None. But there was this lantern-shaped kind of light over my bed with a pointed end. And I was jumping up and down because, like, I did not want to go to sleep. Ugh. I do remember that. I do remember... The trauma of being locked in a room and sort of the pain I was feeling about being left alone. And, you know, the dark kind of bothers me, if you know what I mean. Not, mm, I don't like using that phrase because there's a lot of peace in the dark, too. I've just had my um, demons and ghosts since I was little. Being left alone was, well, y'all have seen The Sixth Sense. So you get a good idea of what I was dealing with when I was left alone. Maybe not so uh, Hollywood, but it's similar. Anyhow, I was jumping up and down and apparently that um, end of that lantern went through my forehead fairly deep because blood was squirting out of my head and I don't think my mother came in right away. When she finally did, I'm sure she was upset about it because blood does upset a person. And she did go running with me trying to find help. That is a very traumatic memory. And I do remember. But there's something else I remember. And it's very adjacent. I'm fairly sure it was the same trailer. You know, and I know it's crazy to remember so much. But I was a, a precocious little child. And I'm one of those people who has memory that go all the way back. It was usually told to me as a joke that I started to refuse food. A little hunger strike, I reckon. And the only thing I would eat was um, Oscar Mayer bologna. Yes, the song just came into my head. Peanut butter, white bread, I think milk, and my favorite, sweet baby jerkins. Sweet pickles. I loved them. It had to be a baby one, though. And anyway, I do have a crystal clear memory of going up to that brown refrigerator, 1969, I reckon, and opening it in the middle of the night. And it was just, first of all, rebellious, and I'm sure I would have gotten whooped for it, but there was something about it, something about the freedom of getting up on my own and opening that refrigerator and that light coming on in a dark trailer and getting out a whole bottle of sweet baby jerkins and sitting down and eating those and feeling at peace. I know that doesn't make any sense to anybody else, but it's so adjacent to that horrible other memory of being left alone in that room and then being in so much pain in that room that I can find peace there. I can just slide over. I call it sliding. Slide over. And sit down in my little bloomers and eat sweet pickles <laughs> alone in the dark. And it's not so scary anymore. And, you know, just to jump around, I do remember 1976 so well because it was the bicentennial and that was a big ass deal. It was all over the place. I remember that Christmas, you know, at school, you could do these, um, little bakeable ornaments you could 
right on this piece of, I have no idea what it was, clear plastic, I don't know, acrylic. And then they would bake it and you would get a little ornament out of that. And I did Betsy Ross, <laughs> Betsy Ross making the flag. And I still have that ornament to this day. But that year was very hard. That year was very hard. I was being bullied horribly at school. Um, had a lot to do. I know y'all get sick of it, but had a lot to do with my mother who was causing a lot of ruckus in town, running around. I don't even want to get into it, but it kind of made me an outsider. It was also the year I found out that the man I thought was my father was not my father. And the memories from that can get really painful really quick. I remember being hit in the head with a tea jug, a Tupperware, I think it was orange, and falling a couple of steps down our staircase. I remember being screamed at. I remember long, beautifully painted fingernails digging into my arm, and I still have the scars of that today on my right arm for perfect little crescents. Love you too, Mama. And, um, you know, the screaming and yelling of divorce, but then it got a really dark twist on it that I won't bring up here because it involves essay and we're just going to leave that out. So it's bad. There's a lot of darkness there that uh, hurts me, but I have a secret weapon. (laughs) I do. It's a beautiful secret weapon. And that is that this was the year, I I believe it was 76, it may have been 75, but again, so adjacent, I can grab it, that all this wonderful music came out and my grandma had bought me an AM FM radio. And so I could drown out, (laughs) if y'all been watching Stranger Things, you know what I'm talking about now. I could drown out the sounds of all of that turmoil and anger and hate and grief. All I had to do was turn on that AMF from radio. And the memories slide kind of funny together. So I definitely have peanut butter in my chocolate and chocolate in my peanut butter here, y'all. And that's a 70s reference. But, you know, um, Beth by Kiss, the band, came out somewhere around here. Chicago Saturday in the Park was playing on the radio a lot. Uh, Afternoon Delight. I remember these songs. Fleetwood Mac. My God. They could take me away. And I remember the way the sun would slant through my bedroom window and listening to these songs that I didn't even understand the true meaning of, but them transporting me out of all that pain out of all that murk, you know, that was my childhood. But I specifically remember one night that they don't know about (laughs) where I opened up my window and went and sat on the roof and it was just a beautiful night. And I couldn't hear anything anymore from what was happening in that house. And I had my AM FM radio with me. Now, I don't know what year the song came out But I do know that it was playing that night, and it was um, Dancing in the Moonlight. And uh, even the new version, oh my God, I love it. I love it. It was played at my wedding because it was this tiny slice of time, and there were lightning bugs everywhere, y'all. I think some of y'all call them fireflies. 
lightning bugs everywhere. And it was just me. You know, it was only me. And no one was hurting me. No one was yelling at me. No one was bullying me at school. No one was doing anything. It was just me and those beautiful stars and the way the ponds were dancing back and forth. And for that little bit of time, you know, I love that little girl. I look back and I love that little girl. It's like the future me looked back on her and said, baby, remember this. This is a good thing. And you're going to need a good memory one day to take away the sting of everything else that had happened. And oh, holy shit, everything that was going to come. So that one summer night, that song, that memory, I remember what I had on. I had on these little hip hugger, of course I did, right? Hip hugger pants. I don't think they were jeans. I think they were in this soft shade of like maroon. And they had three little buttons real low in the front kind of did a little bit of a flare at the bottom I remember those and I had on a rainbow t-shirt and I think it said smile and my hair was really long I don't think I have boobies yet (laughs) not quite yet and for just a brief blink of an eye I found a way to make myself happy so memories can also be a playlist They don't even have to have music, but that one just so happened to have it. But they don't have to. Um, When I was going through domestic violence and, um, you know, trigger warning, I'm not going to go into the exact things that happened to my body or my heart, but I'm going to talk around it. So you may want to stop. I'll be careful, but I, you know, don't want to hurt anybody. But for the years I was going through that in my first marriage, From the time I was 17 until I was 23, I think. 23, 24, hard to remember. There's not a lot of good there. And I'm sure that that impacted my oldest child's memory as well. There's not a lot of good. How could there be? It's uh, fairly as bad as you can imagine it was. Poverty was involved and um, lots of violence was involved. And so some of those memories will slide up alongside me sometimes when I'm trying to go to sleep. But there are secret weapons here too. And it took me a long time to find them. I just had to look past the bruises, baby. And I found one or two. (laughs) Only that. But they count and I can counteract it. So when I go into those memories by accident, and yes, they are by accident, trauma will do a thing to you, honey. I've been through a lot of therapy. It's like bubbles come up in your brain. Sometimes I'll be washing the dishes and bam, out of left field. It's 1986. And that whole memory is trying to play. Uh, I know there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons my therapist told me is that when you finally get to a safe place, or you're, you know, somewhat safer than you were, some of these memories will try to now come to the top because you can deal with them better. Ugh. I'm not going to give any therapy advice, um, but it's rough. So this was something I did to counteract that. And um, I just remember when he would be asleep 
my first husband, when he would be asleep and the baby would cry and I'd go get her and we would sit by the window and there was this one night and we were sitting in the moonlight and I was rocking her and I was breastfeeding her and she cooed at me and it was the most magical moment I've ever felt. My very first child. And I remember thinking that moment that nothing could take that away from me. No matter what I was living through, nothing could take it away. The way her dark, beautiful eyes looked up at me and held onto my finger while I was feeding her. I grabbed it. You know, I took a snapshot of it. I know what rocking chair I was sitting in. I know what print was on that rocking chair. I know my hair was braided past my waist, and I know that she was the sweetest thing I'd ever seen. So when the pain gets bad, I slide over real comfortable next to that night. Y'all know I do this also, this little method of mine, this memory playlist. I do this also for lost friendships and lost family members. I don't think I could have done it during the loss of them. Or even right after, you know, the wound was still bleeding, was still fresh and tender. It's not something that I would have been able to get through right away. Um, And in some cases, especially when we're trying to get away from abuse of any kind, it's probably antithetical to what we need to be doing, which is moving on. But when the years passed and I got safe, it helped a little to not feel like that was wasted time. I think I talked about that in season one back when my microphone was so shitty. Sorry about that, y'all. But yeah, I, I reckon at the end of the day, it's helped me to not feel like it's wasted time. If I spent 10 years with a soul or whatever, what matters is that there were moments that were not throwaways in my memory. And there are times of my life, like 2014, or unbelievably that close, 2016, that nearly broke me. But there are little memories I can grab on. It's almost like falling down a cliff and there being a stick coming right out the side of that rock, and I could grab it, and I could hold on to it, It could be a memory of that one time it snowed (laughs) and my beloved dog Gatsby was running through it, even though he hadn't been able to hardly walk that year. It could be finding out I was going to be a grandma. It's just these little memories that I pick, I write them down, and I write them down adjacent to the memory that has been torturing me, the thoughts that have been torturing me. And it's like, you know how you do with a mnemonic device and you try to associate something with something else? Well, I just sort of stitch that really good memory on top of that trauma so that the next time it tortures me, boom, I jump. It's my own little Kate Bush moment, y'all. And I've been doing it for years. I think the one thing that's been imperative for me to learn is to wake up and notice when another one of those good saving memories is happening right now. I might need them. (laughs) Man, I might need them. So I grab onto those two. I'm like a spider and something's jumped in my web and it's good. 
And I'm going to write that up real pretty and save it. Because it could save my ass later. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else does this, but this is my method. This is, well, it's my playlist for the middle of the night. I think the most shocking thing that I've learned in this process is that, well, it doesn't have to be this monumental, big, momentous occasion for it to end up in the playlist. Some of the memories that pop on me aren't so big. They just lead to something big. And so these tinier moments that I think are like little love bombs in my pocket, well, they could be anything. They can be a night riding on a road and the music was good and the moon was so perfect and you felt something slotted into a memory bank market, especially in a hard year, you know, put a little flag on it like those little, um, Sticky notes that you put when you're reading a book. Well, your life is a book, baby. Your life is a story. That day wasn't so bad. Sticky note. I'm going to hold on to this just in case I need it later. I mean, some of us are so used to trauma and pain and hard things that we, well, we need to mark the other moments in ways that we don't miss. So... Write them down, honey. I don't care how small they were. Was that a damn fine cookie? (laughs) Okay, write it down. It's war sometimes trying to get through this life. And if you want to be suited up so that you can get through whole, you need something in your arsenal. While doing this podcast today, it rained, it cleared up, the sun started shining again. And damn, if I don't need to get out there and figure those rabbits. And think about what the hell is for dinner. I also have about four bushels of pears I've got to do something with. I love y'all. I don't know if you have memories or things from your past or your trauma that slide up to you late at night and give you the shivers. But if you do, try a playlist. Grab every memory you can. Put them on repeat in the back of your brain and be ready. They can help quite a lot. After all, as uh, Stranger Things has taught us, sometimes a playlist can save your life. I love y'all like chicken. Talk to you next week. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.